Hot off the presses today, PhotoShelter's 2020 version of the Photographer's Guide to Search Engine Optimization. Get it for free at photoshelter.com slash resources. PhotoShelter presents Vision Slightly Blurred. I'm Alan Murabayashi. And I'm Sarah Jacobs. Sarah, last year we did a whole podcast on the question of whether you need a website in 2019. And earlier this month, Andy Adams from Flack Photo a uh, huge online community, uh, both on Facebook and Twitter. Andy tweeted on September 3rd, I asked my Instagram followers to send me their website links as I did with you guys here. And I've been surprised at the number of photographers who don't have websites. Wow, I get that Insta is a vital part of the way we do things right now, but no website is kind of nuts. Mm. Mm. What'd you think when you saw that tweet? I was like, wait, what photographers are following Andy <laughs> that don't have websites? I know. Well, they, I mean, there's a lot of hobbyist photographers who are part of the Flack Photo yes. uh, Network. Yeah. So that, that's possible. But yeah. uh, it did sort of raise this question again uh, to revisit the idea of whether you need a website in 2020. And I was listening to our podcast from last year. And I got to be honest, it's pretty damn good. <laughs> so should we just direct listeners to that one? Yeah, why don't we just, we'll just uh, play it right now. No, you know, why don't you kind of go over the, the points you made last year and I'll go over the, the ones that I made. Okay, yeah. So basically the way that I personally have used the internet um, in terms of the photo world, I mean, I initially was blogging on Google's Blogspot. You remember Blogspot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had a I had a photo blog there. Um, and then when I finally started having enough photos to actually display online outside of like Flickr, for example, I was also using Flickr. Um, I used Cargo Collective and I used that because it was free and it was kind of one of the more aesthetically pleasing free sites available to use. Um, and then from there I got hired at Photo Shelter. And so Obviously, I was converted. Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, there and forever. Um, and I started building my website um, and archive on Photo Shelter. Um, but as I've become, you know, a photo, a working photo editor, I absolutely do see, you know, value in photographers having websites. I think in 2020, you know, it's a real moment to actually truly express outside of your photography, your artistic vision. And it kind of, it allows editors that are on your website to have this moment of, okay, this is how this photographer's photo essay could potentially be laid out. Here's how they edit their own work, etc. And especially as photo assignments are um, being given out now by edit by writing editors, perhaps more so than photo editors at some publications, um, it's important for them to, you know, visually see an aesthetically pleasing and well thought out selects selective photos. So for me, like when I was researching photographers, you know, it would be, of course, normally I would find them through Instagram, but I would go to their Insta. If I liked what I saw, I'd go to their website on my desktop. Um, I'd read the about page about pages. I think are still, really important to yep. get to know the person, especially in terms of where you're located. And, uh, and then I would add them to my very prized spreadsheet if I <laughs> liked the work, which includes the photographer's name, um, their location, uh, the website link, and then an email. 
if I can find one, which I should be able to find one if you want to be hired. Right. Email um, and a telephone number is always super important. Yes, absolutely. Contact info is, yes, ultimately very important. So I made the case uh, last year that social media made finding updates by photographers a lot easier because it was a single place where you could go and you'd scroll through your the vertical news feed and you could find the updates. And it made a lot of sense compared to the olden days where you might have bookmarked you know, 100 photographers and then every once in a while you'd open <laughs> all the bookmarks and try to see if anybody updated. Like that wasn't a very efficient workflow true. for sure. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that I noted last year, which is still very, very true, is the discoverability tools through social media, particularly on Instagram, are terrible. So mm-hmm. if you're trying to find a photographer by anything but their name, it's really hard to find because you're limited to a single keyword or hashtag. Um, you can't combine. There's no sense of like Boolean ands or ors in search. You know, Google does a lot of stuff behind the scenes to to try to glean out intent of the search so they can look at your search history, where you're located, um, you know, and all of these other signals and then give you the most relevant results as possible. They're not doing that on Instagram or on or on Facebook or, or Twitter. So you're getting these really, really dumb results. And so if you're not explicitly following someone, it's hard to find uh, a new talent, for example. And mm-hmm. I also brought up this idea of social media has really been built around influencers, right? And the influencers versus the photographer, the influencers are trying to build as large an audience as possible to get sponsorships, whereas photographers tried to get paid by their clients to take photos. So the algorithms on social media are biased towards the influencers. They're not biased towards the photographers. And so it's really hard for like just, you know, quote, just a photographer to be seen on social media. Um, mm-hmm. So the cha- they're like real challenges. Yeah, I'm, I can't remember when Instagram took away this particular portion of their app. It might have been last year when we were discussing it, but it used to be where you would be able to see what your followers liked as well under your likes tab. Right. So you could, you know, you could see who liked your photos and then you could see what other photos they liked. And I, I did actually use that as sort of a discovery tool um, within Instagram. And that has since been taken away. Um, so it has become more difficult to find uh, quality photographers via just social media. So what has sort of changed since last year? You know, I mentioned briefly last week on the podcast this Netflix documentary called The Social Dilemma, where they talk about the insidiousness of the social networks and the algorithms and all of the data that they're collecting and how they're sort of really uh, refined to keep us addicted to these devices. And all of that stuff is great if you're the owner of the platform, not so great if you're just one of the users on that platform. And when you think about it from a business perspective, Instagram is trying to keep you on Instagram. They're making it really, really hard to link out, right? Right. And and so in that respect, it's sort of counter to what you're trying to do as a photographer or as a business owner in general, which is get them off of that brand controlled platform onto your own turf where you have Mm -hmm. the ability to collect their emails and you have the ability to, you know, give them your services and updates. 
Um, so that was pretty eye-opening to watch. A few other things that I want to mention, uh, this idea of controlling your brand is so important. People think that when they're on Facebook or on Instagram or Twitter and they have their logo as their profile pic, that somehow that has branded that little mini site. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not true. You're not controlling any aspect of the way that the information or the photos are presented. When you have your own website, you have the ability to control all of that, which takes us to the next most important thing, which is building search engine optimization against a website that you control. SEO, my yeah, favorite SEO thing. is huge. So <laughs> coincidentally, we are releasing uh, the Photo Shelter Guide to Search Engine Optimization today. We released our first version in 2009, 11 years ago. Whoa. You know, what, what can I say other than when you are looking for something, uh, a service, a product, how do you go about finding that product or service? You usually go to Google and you execute a search. I, I don't know of anybody that goes to social media to execute a search to find something. No, other than Pinterest, but no. <laughs> True, <laughs> right, right. Incidentally, that SEO guide can be downloaded for free at photoshelter.com slash resources. Well, since that first guide came out in 2009, a few things have changed in terms of search engine optimization, which I wanted to bring up. The first is the increased importance of social media signals. So how many times is the thing that you tweeted been retweeted or shared or commented on? Same with Facebook and Instagram likes and engagement. Uh, oh, that's man, huge. that affects your SEO? Yeah. Ooh. I mean, we don't really know how much any of these individual signals are affecting SEO. Mm -hmm. But the people at Google have said that social signals are important. And that's one reason why you would participate in social media, all of the nefarious things notwithstanding. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> the, the other thing, obviously, I mean, social media kind of came to prominence in the late uh, aughts and then into the tens, 2010s. And now, of course, it is what it is today. Um, the other thing that's been huge is the, the fact that everyone has a mobile phone, a smartphone nowadays. And so when Google knows you're executing a search on a cell phone and they know that you're looking at a website on a cell phone, they want to reward websites that are mobile friendly. So as a photographer, you have to make sure, and most of them do, but not all of them. Most websites nowadays, services like Photo Shelter have mobile friendly layouts. So they're, they're called responsive layouts, as we like to say in the, the industry. That's, that's huge. And you'll be penalized if somebody's looking for your website or you know, looking for your services through a search on mobile, but your site is not optimized for mobile, it's gonna be pushed down in the, the rankings and the search results. So that's something to keep in mind. The other thing is this idea of location awareness when people are searching. So if I search for, you know, Chinese restaurant, it's not going to show me results in Russia. It's going to show me results <laughs> in my immediate neighborhood because it knows that I'm searching for something in a certain locale. Um, and so having keywords that indicate, you know, this is where I'm located. These are the suburbs or the other neighborhoods that I'm working in. Uh, is very important. So SEO keywords, as we like to say, and a lot of the a lot of the detail on this uh, is covered by our SEO guide. And then a huge thing that's just come out in the this year, 2020, 
is Google's increased awareness of metadata, IPTC metadata. So now if you have the IPTC embedded in your images on your website, Google can actually read some of the IPTC fields like image credit, author, the credit provider, copyright. And the newest thing that came out on August 31st is this licensable image feature tag. Oh, this is exciting. This is this is interesting. So the big complaint before was you could only search by, you know, five years ago, you would only just search for images. And mm. then they added this ability to search for Creative Commons images. Um, that was largely harvesting Flickr photos because that's where Creative Commons really got a, a jump start. That's right. And then more recently, on the 31st of August, uh, a lot of the large image providers, uh, like the Getty Images of the World and Photo Shelter, if you have a licensable image and you have a link back to that licensable image, you can now search for licensable images only. Now, wow. <laughs> you could say, but Alan, the average consumer isn't going to know to go into image, you know, Google Images and use this obscure pull-down menu to find the licensable images. And, and that's true. But the average consumer is not the audience for this feature, mm -hmm. right? The feature the features exist for, for people like you, professional photo editors, who know they'll get in trouble if they use unlicensed images, but want mm -hmm. to execute a broad search against multiple image providers and find licensable-only images. Oh, my God. It's like, it's like an Expedia that searches, you know, all the... <laughs> Airlines. Yeah. And, you know, uh, <laughs> these image licensing consortiums have been working towards this kind of thing literally for years, years and years and years to aggregate all the searches together to show you only licensable images. And it really took, you know, the, the mother of all search engines to embrace this need and provide this feature to make it really possible. And in a sense, it's almost acting as an image registry as well, which is like, this is where the original or, you know, the copyrighted image that's licensable can be found on the internet. So it removes part of the concern around uh, what we call orphaned works. Like we, we don't know who were the, the provenance of this image is. We don't know who the copyright holder is. So we're going to use it anyway because we don't know, you know, and, and right. use orphan works as the, as the reason. So this new feature on Google should really, I would think, incentivize um, photogra freelance photographers to make their photos licensable via their websites and keyword the shit out of them, right? Yeah. I mean, to the extent that, you know, a lot of this stuff is automated. So what work do you really have to do? I mean, if you're, if you're on a platform like Photo Shelter, and you've already keyworded images and put in some of this other IPTC information, there's not a whole lot additional that you have to do. And mm. then you're gaining the benefit of if the SEO is working against your specific image, then maybe people are finding you that way. Yeah. Now, again, I mean, this thing has just been released less than a month ago. So what does it look like in a year? Has it, has it built any appreciable traffic to your website through SEO, through the licensable images program? I, I don't know. I guess that remains to be seen. Um, I think, you know, on the flip side, uh, I, I've heard photographers tell me this, and I believe it myself. If an SEO search generates one job for you, one print sale, 
that pays for your year of photo shelter or whatever website platform you're on, then it's worth it in my opinion, you know? Yeah. During quarantine, um, I definitely kind of shifted to focus on my website and part because I had the time. And part of that was, you know, creating keywords within within the website, properly captioning all of my images to identify the people in them to say who it was shot for, etc., um, and then I also finally just now bought my first domain name from GoDaddy. <laughs> I don't know why it took me so long, <laughs> um, but I finally did that. So that was really exciting. And I also got a logo. So it was like, oh, hey. I really glowed up on my website this summer. Yeah. <laughs> so like 25 years after domain names became commercially available, Sarah Jacobs <laughs> finally got her own domain name. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I got, a, of course, Sarah Jacobs was not available, right. which really bummed me out, but I got sarahjakephoto.com, so I feel good about that's it. That's legit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, your Twitter <laughs> handle is at Sarah Jake, so. Exactly. There's brand exactly. cohesion So is my Insta. There. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the stuff that hasn't changed in regards to SEO is this idea of expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness, which is to say the longer your website has existed, the better keywords you have, and the more people that are linking back to your website from good websites the better that your website will rank. Okay, so link backs are still important, huh? Hugely. And you know what? People get really tripped up by this word backlink. We always get this question of, what's a backlink? I don't understand. Well, when you're reading an article on the web and it says something like, Sarah Jacobs has a new series on portraiture from the American Southwest on her website. And there's a link in that sentence somewhere that links back to Sarah Jacobs' website. That's a backlink. It's simply a link back to your website. If it's coming from my website, it doesn't have as much importance from an SEO perspective as a link coming from the New York Times because mm. the New York Times is considered more authoritative than Alan Murabayashi's website, and rightfully so, right? New York Times is a much larger audience. They produce content, content at a much greater clip. So there's all these reasons to, uh, around the, the trustworthiness and authoritativeness uh, of the, the websites that are linking to you. And, and then the next question we get is, well, how do you get people to link to your website? Well, part of your marketing plan is to go to uh, photo websites, DP Review, Petapixel, Photo Shelter, F-Stoppers, and say, hey, there's a project I'm working on. Are you guys interested in featuring my work? And if so, can you link back to my website? Mm. It's relatively easy to do, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Although I do feel like back in the day, like in the more blogging days and the Tumblr days, it was slightly easier. You know, there's just like a lot more competition online now to get your stuff featured and to get that link back. Totally. Um, yeah. We've seen a bunch of curatorial websites out there, really cool websites that have become increasingly more niche in terms of their focus. Mm. And so to be a part of that, let's say you're, uh, you know, you focus on portraiture of a certain type of uh, uh, individual or profession or something like that. There's probably a curatorial website out there for you that you want to be featured on because they're considered the most, most authoritative voice for that style of portraiture. So, you know, your marketing plan requires you to do a little bit of, of homework and that's the way it's going to be. Well, as we get more into these winter cold months and we're still pretty much in quarantine, I think a website update for everyone 
is a good idea. <laughs> uh, lastly, sort of tangentially related, today on TheVerge.com, turns out Facebook has started testing uh, a tool, a rights manager tool that allows people to take down images or do image takedown requests of images. So it already exists for videos and for music, and now they're testing with images. Um, and it's only being piloted through a small number of organizations right now, none of which they've disclosed who they are, but we can suspect organizations like uh, National Geographic or Getty Images are, are part of this. It'll be inter interesting to see whether this means a lot of reposts on Instagram and Facebook start getting takedown requests mm. for illegal usage. It's pretty interesting that this is just now being introduced <laughs> into the tech when, like you mentioned, yeah. you know, it has been around for music. It has been around for video. Like, why was photo kind of last in line? I suspect because the volume of photos far outstrips the number of videos and pieces mm, of sure. music that exist out there. Mm -hmm. And and also, I think it's it's a lot easier to sort of fake the the provenance and the copyright holder of an image, particularly because there's so many distribution channels for an image, right? You as a sure. photographer could be syndicated through five different services, all of which post on Facebook, and then somebody does a takedown notice because they don't know the other, you know, distributor has the, the rights to distribute that image. Who knows? Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it'll definitely be interesting to see... Uh, how this plays out and whether the tool is ever released to individuals or whether it just becomes a tool for the large professional image organizations. TBD? TBD, TBD. Like we mentioned, the Photo Shelter's Guide to Search Engine Optimization can be downloaded now at our website at photoshelter.com resources. And all of the other pieces that we talked about today can be found on our blog at blog.photoshelter.com. Update your websites. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. PhotoShelter is the online leader for photography websites and workflow tools. Archive, distribute, and sell your photos in a mobile-friendly, responsive website. Try one free for 14 days at photoshelter.com slash podcast. Then download one of our free educational guides at photoshelter.com slash resources. <laughs>